How curious are you? How curious are you about your health? How curious are you about your happiness? How curious are you about your habits? Today we're going to talk curious habits and our guest is me. My publisher, Leslie Williams, is taking the host seat today and I'm the guest. So sit back, relax and you get to listen to me. Enjoy it on your next read is Curious Habits by me, Luke Maters. Hi, my name is Leslie Williams and today I'm the guest host of Your Next Read. And the reason that I'm the guest host of Your Next Read is because my guest, my very special guest, is the usual host of Your Next Read, Mr Luke Mathers, who has just published a new book, Curious Habits. Hey Luke! Yay! <laughs> it feels great, it feels great. And it feels very strange to be interviewed instead of interviewing. Right, so just a couple of rules, Luke. I ask the questions, you you answer them. I hope that's okay with you. That's perfectly fine, Leslie. Okay, you are, so you are the boss. <laughs> Today I am. Okay, so this is the book we're talking about, Curious Habits. We love the cover, we love the book, and Luke's going to tell you now why it needs to be your next read. So first of all, I'd like to talk about one of the two main themes in the book, curiosity. So, Luke, personally, I find a non-curious person to be a very strange person indeed. I love curiosity as a trait in people. Uh, but you're the expert. Tell us about curiosity. Well, it's everywhere and it's something that we're born with it. Like you watch little kids. I love three-year-olds. Three-year-olds, are they're crazy and they're, they're a nightmare and you want to get rid of them after you've been them for, with them for a long time. <laughs> But that constantly asking why and constantly looking for other ways and constantly just being curious and wanting to know what's going on and how things work. And I don't know where it happens, but somewhere along the line we lose it. And um, I think when it comes to habits, we've got to get it back. Absolutely. So it's about things you don't understand. It's asking why, isn't it? Even if it gets annoying to keep asking, you just have to keep being curious or, or you don't learn, I guess. Yeah, exactly. That you and some of those questions you've got to ask yourself. Like I, th- I think anyone, anyone who's ever asked the question, "Why the hell did I do that?" Um, I reckon that person should read this book. So that's the first. The first theme is curiosity. The second theme is habits. Now there have been a lot of books on habits, Luke. There's tons. Yeah, I've got a whole <laughs> pile of them behind me. There's there's plenty of them. And, you know, there's atomic habits and tiny habits and habits of highly effective people, you know, the seven of those. You know, there's the power of habit. Um, there's tons of them. And they're all, they've all got some similarities and they've all got some little nuances to them. I think one of the things they all, they all sort of have in common is that they, want, they try and change habits from a place of scarcity and lack and blame. And I think that was what I tried to get out of it. I tried to sort of say, okay, well, if you're doing that, there's a there's an old Greek story of Sisyphus, and Sisyphus was condemned for all of eternity to push a rock up a hill. It was the it was the worst possible sort of punishment that the gods of ancient Greece, and they were a bit nasty, but the gods of ancient Greece gave Sisyphus, Sisyphus the worst job, and it was to push a rock up a hill all day, only for the rock to fall back down. And I kind of think that's a way, it's certainly the way I have in the past tried to, tried to change habits without sort of, you know, you just end up with a flat spot on your forehead from banging your head against a wall. And so I thought there has to be another way and, and curiosity, for me anyway, it turns out that it was the way. 
I think, I don't know if you agree with this, but most people think about habits as a bad thing, don't they? They think about their bad habits before their good habits, I think. So for you to switch it around and come at it not from a, um, a point of scarcity, I think it's a really a really interesting angle. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, and it is, it, it, you're right, everyone does only think of their bad habits. So we have a whole bunch of habits that we don't think about you know tying your shoelaces driving cars there's a whole bunch of little reflex things and and default actions and most of them aren't doing us any harm they're just there and they're helping our brain do things easier yeah your your brain has your brain has two percent of your body weight but it uses up 20 percent of your energy so you our, our brains have evolved in a place where we didn't have 7-elevens and mcdonald's so we had to create habits so that the brain could work more efficiently absolutely in fact, I like the way that you, you look at habits. You look at the three reasons for habits. So we, you talk about avoiding pain, seeking pleasure, and saving energy. And I think that's probably a good place to, to start now is those three, the, those three reasons that we have habits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and all of them make perfect sense. And the, fir- the first one of them is avoiding pain. Far and away, yeah. the thing that's going to, to get us into action is avoiding pain and again if you take that back to to sort of caveman times if a caveman didn't avoid the tiger he didn't contribute to evolution so if we look at it that negative bias that people talk about that sort of we focus more on the negatives it's ingrained with us and it's again it's a curious habit that we beat ourselves up for that but it's biologically ingrained that we're we're designed to take take more notice of the negatives um, so that that's most definitely the first one. A caveman could have missed out on on something that was kind of nice, like he could have missed out on a bunch of berries and he didn't see them, and that's okay. But if he missed out on the tiger, he got dead. <laughs> so, Unfortunately, yeah. sadly. But seeking pleasure one, I think, is the one that people, most people relate to. So you know, and this is with your bad habits. So you mm-hmm. you do something and it's nice, so you do it again and again and again. And I'm thinking mm-hmm. like chocolate or glass of Prosecco or, you know, whatever you, whatever you, um, you like doing, you do it more and more often. And you cover, you do a lot about this. You say a lot about this in the book, and I'm going to talk in specifics later. Um, but do you agree that that's the most common reason for a habit? Well, a lot of them, no, I probably don't agree with you. Okay. I, I think it's there, but I think a lot of the time we seek pleasure because of the annoyance or the pain or the discomfort of something else okay yeah um i know you know writing to me is not a natural state of being to me writing is like lifting weights it's like it's good for you and i like doing it sort of but it's a wrestle I, i never feel comfortable when i'm doing it there's something about that makes me agitated and quite often if i'm really stuck and really getting annoyed with myself if there's chocolate in the in the cupboard, it's going to be yelling at me. I'm going to have this <laughs> chocolate will be calling me from the thing. And you can say that that's seeking pleasure, but it's really it's seeking a reprieve from the pain and discomfort and frustration yeah, of yeah. something else you're doing. So quite yeah. often we we kind of go go the other way. I actually think when we when we keep digging back, it's every habit has a cue, a behaviour, and a reward to it. And the reward might just be that I'm not frustrated anymore. Yeah. Um, but procrastination is probably the – that's a massive curious habit for a lot of people, particularly something that needs to be done. Um, classic just now, I'm, I just did my tax 
for last year, which was meant to be ages ago, (laughs) right? But I've also, because I now, my habits are better, I've also done my tax for this year, which actually ends today. So I've actually done my tax. So my my accountant tomorrow is going to get both my uh, last year's and this year's tax returns. Because tax doing the tax drives me crazy. I hate it. It's it's my least favorite thing to do in the whole world. Yeah, that's avoiding pain. I don't want to do that. So I didn't. So I put it off. But eventually you have to. And I think that's why it's a curious habit. I'm going to have to do this anyway. And this year I've thought about doing my tax 100 times. Next year I'm not going to think about it at all because it's already done. Yeah, so you're, doing, you're saving energy, which is our third point, isn't it? You've done yeah, two years of tax you one year. Yeah. Exactly. So you, you think about that. I've, I've avoided the pain of having to think about it again, all mm. right? I've actually found the pleasure of going, tick, you know, tax is done. And I've actually, yeah, I've, I've saved all of that little, you know, that little voice in the back of your head, yeah, go mm. and do your tax. <laughs> we don't have that. <laughs> so by, by procrastinating, particularly when it's something that needs to be done right then, and like, like you can do it in 30 seconds. Just to, I've just tried not to procrastinate on that stuff. Just, just F and do it. And yeah. when yeah. you do that, um, you know, a lot of things just get done so much more effectively. So that leads into um, the reason for the book. So you, you might remember this. Whenever I speak to authors, Wayne, at, at the start of the process, I say your book's got to answer one prop, key problem for, for the reader. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me... Curious Habits, um, the reader will read this book because it will alleviate the stress. And and that leads on from the procrastination. You procrastinate, procrastinate, more and more stressed about what you're putting off. Whereas if you just counted that bad, that, that habit that has become a bad habit, you could alleviate that stress. So, and you're the stress expert. So, um, yeah, let's talk about stress yeah, and habits. Well, and- well fixing a habit. You know, there's a lot of things, and habits can be one of them. They're, they're almost like having a splinter stuck in, stuck in your hand. It's going to be painful to take that splinter out, but if I can work out how to do it, pull the splinter out, and then, okay, that's done, let it heal. It's almost we've got to be able to put up with that little bit of short-term pain. I want to have a look at your book now through the, through the eyes of a reader. Okay. So I, I love fiction and nonfiction. And for me, in even, even the nonfiction, it's the characters for me that, that make me enjoy that book the most. And I love some of the characters in your book. And that obviously my favorite character is the sea squirt. So mm-hmm. <laughs> let's talk about the sea squirt character first. Well, it, I, I have a friend of mine who's a cognitive neuroscientist and I wrote my first book with Mick, Mick Zelko, Dr. Mick Zelko, and he told the story of a sea squirt. And a sea squirt has a really small brain. It only has about 20,000 neurons and it, it has those same characteristics we were talking about before. It goes towards things that, that feel good. It goes away from toxins and bad things and it swims around as this little lava around the sea floor, around, around in the sea. Eventually, it finds a spot that's good it attaches itself to a rock and it eats its own brain. Right. It just stays there. <laughs> so basically it goes towards good, away from bad. Once I've done that, I'm not changing. I'm, that's just how I'm staying. I'm going to eat my own brain. Um, I told that story to a, a group of council council workers and they said, oh, we have a whole departments that are filled with sea squirts. <laughs> They're everywhere. And I think that's kind of... A lot of curious habits are things that aren't serving us and they're not necessarily bad. I have a lot of people say, oh, curious habits, are they bad? And some of them, yeah, some of them aren't helping and some of them are bad. 
but some of them are just there and they're not quite serving us, but we've just gotten into that, that way of thinking and we've just gone on that pathway and that's where we've stayed without sort of having a look around and seeing what else do we have. And I think doing that is, if I can get nothing else out of reading Curious Habits, to actually stop and look around and see, well, what are my options here? And curiosity is fantastic for that because we're not having to change from a place of scarcity and lack. Yep, we're just having, you know, stopping and looking at something and, and thinking about it and probing. Yeah, okay, so more, more curious than judgmental, I think, is probably the case. Yeah, To, to quote Walt Whitman or Ted Lasso or wherever you want to take that from. <laughs> um, yeah, Ted Lasso, he has a great scene where he talks about being curious, not judgmental, and I just love that scene. It's a, it's a fantastic yeah. scene. Yeah, love Ted Lasso. Um, so some of the other characters in the book um, are very serious characters who have dealt with with curious habits um, and gotten around them. So I'm thinking um, about Summer, uh, the young mm-hmm. lady who was a perfectionist, um, and she was debilitated by her self-talk. Can you talk to us about that curious habit and perhaps about Summer in particular? Yeah, Perfectionism is a really um, a really critical one with this, I think, because you know attention to detail is wonderful, but perfectionism really does stop you putting things out in the world. It stops you doing some things that you're really going to enjoy, and I think it's it's one of those things that perfectionists quite often hang their hat on it and say, "Well, I'm a perfectionist, that's good." And I think if they got really curious, they'd realise it's not as good as they think. And yep. some is a high achiever. She's an amazing amazing young lady she's just absolutely fantastic in so many parts of her life but she got to this point where she wanted everyone else to behave in the right way right she she studies really hard and she will always do the right thing it's just the abcs of her and she was finding she was getting frustrated when her friends didn't. They were like 18, 19, 20, and they're newly minted adults going out, having fun, partying, hair on fire, doing all of that sort of stuff. And she got really uncomfortable with that and found herself being a sea squirt and just going, I'm going to go away from that. I don't like it and ended up being a bit of a hermit for a while. She's in a relationship that she that wasn't working for her and she was just yeah, she wasn't very happy. And we came in, we came and did a process called finding Carlos. And finding Carlos is my favorite thing to do in coaching. Yeah. And it, it's basically we come up with the characteristics of the you at your best. All right. Um, mine, my Carlos words are I'm curious, creative and generous. And if I'm being curious, creative and generous, I'm as happy as a pig in poo. I'm loving life. And we did it with Summer. And the words she came up with were she was brave and determined with a thoughtful acceptance. Um, she's brave and determined anyway, but the thoughtful acceptance bit was the bit she had to work on. And yeah, yeah. the moment she found herself being judgy and wanting people to do things perfectly was the moment she connected with the better version of her and developed that thoughtful acceptance. Yeah, yeah, interesting. She got around it, didn't she, with yeah. the curiosity and your help. She she actually got on top of that. and um, Yeah, she and, did. And, lived and much she, yeah. she's studying to be a doctor and she's firing in all parts of her life. She's great. Yeah, yeah. And it was just so, a matter of being able to understand her self-talk and why she was having that habit of pulling away. And once she worked out the why, it wasn't through blame and it wasn't through judgment, it wasn't through shame, it wasn't through beating herself up. She could yeah. let go of that rock and just walk over the hill. And she did that and it, it happened instantly and she, and she was better from that moment on. She was you know, back out into the world and enjoying life. Yeah, amazing. I love that story. 
Another story that I enjoyed in the book, another character in the book, was David Lloyd. So if you remember him, so super, super independent to the extent um, that he just couldn't ask for help, could he? No. Can you tell us that story? David's a great guy. He came came to one of our our retreats. We run a a retreat every year called a Primal Reset. And David came to that. Um, and he is a big unit. He's like a, he's six foot four and a hundred kilos and he's a big, strong bloke. He's a, he's an electrician, so tradey dude. So he's a proper, genuine Aussie bloke, love beer and footy and all of those sorts of things. You know, he can bench press a truck. He's a, he's a big fella. And he fell off a six meter high building. All right. And he messed himself up. He broke ankles in lots of places, broke both, both legs, ribs, shoulders arms messed up everything and while he was in hospital he was okay because he had he had um physios and chiros and all of that sort of stuff and they all looked after him the hassle was when he when he went home he didn't have any of that support and his his fiance was having to go to work and he just didn't want to ask for help and and that's a curious habit too that's a really curious habit to not want to ask for help you know whenever people ask you for help and there's a joy to that yeah, you know, there's a joy to, yeah, I'd love to help you with that, Leslie. That'd be great. And he was almost robbing other people of the joy and beating himself up for it. And it just as this little penny drop moment when we were, when we were on the, on the primal reset that he went, yeah, I'm, this is what I'm doing and I'm not going to do it anymore. And it changed. Dr. Judson Brewer, who's a really guru of mindfulness, he just, mm. he calls it a bigger, better offer. So part yep. of being curious is to look around and find what that bigger, better offer is. And yep. when you find that, then that just becomes way more appealing. So the C squared in you actually starts working in your favour then. So yep. you're not doing it from scarcity and lack. You're doing it from a place of love and acceptance and thriving and wanting to go forward. And I, I think that helps a lot. So I hope that the listeners are getting a feel for the book. Um, there are loads of great upbeat stories. That's what I love about it. And then the fact that, and they prove that having a curious, embracing your curious habits, that you can get through any habits that become bad habits. Um, and there are some great results, which you do talk about in the book, which I found really interesting. Time for one more character then. Uh, let's have a look at you, the author. Me. The main character. All right. Wow. <laughs> Well, I guess a lot of these sort of books that, you know, research is often research, isn't it? You kind of, yeah. you kind of look into the things that, that are sort of holding you back and, and stressing you out and, and making you wonder. So I, um, yeah, I've got a few curious habits and a few of them I'm, I'm probably still a bit like Sisyphus and pushing them up a rock up a hill. <laughs> I think one of the biggest ones I've learned is, is the, the, the bit we talk about with the gap and the gain to there, there's a sort of, um, Dan Sullivan and Benjamin Hardy wrote a great book called The Gap and the Gain. And there's a, there's a, if you imagine on, on a line, there's a you five years ago and an ideal version of you. And along that line, you sit somewhere. And what we do is we live our life in where we are now to what the ultimate version of me is. And they tell you that you, to build on the, on the past things, to actually look back and the, seeing the things that you developed and, I think that comparison, that compare and despair, um, I'm definitely not on my own with that. That's a curious habit yeah. that I fall into a bit. They're sort of comparing and I'm not as, I'm not as young, slim, rich, whatever little thing you want to put in there. Mm-hmm. And one of the hassles with those is I think we have a lot of those things. You know, I, I need to have a Ferrari or something. 
you know, we have a lot yeah. of them and we haven't actually even really worked out why we want them and whether we do, in fact, why that sort of stuff's so important to us. And when we get curious, you work out those things and however you want to change, you change because that's who you want to be rather than because of a thing. And I think, I think that's a, that's a key point to curious habits. They, the curiosity allows you to do it because this is who I want to be. This is the type of human I want to be rather than I want to do this so that I'll have six packs and biceps on triceps. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, you know, I, I look around at things like social media and stuff and social media has got compare and despair written all over it. You and I both love, um, Johan Hari's stolen focus. Yep. Yep. Um, any, anyone who's, who's struggling with, uh, their social media read stolen focus by Yo- Johan Hari after you've finished curious habits. And, um, <laughs> and it's a great, it's a great book. And he, he does the same thing. There's a, we, we're constantly comparing our normal life, which, you know, our normal life, we have to, you know, empty the dishwasher and put the washing on the line and, you know, fill up with petrol. And we're comparing the hundred percent of our life with this, manicured curated perfectly refined version of other people's that we're seeing on on social media and we're going to compare and despair and that's a curious habit and we need to stop it and i think one of the biggest curious habits and the the research really backs this up is trying is using social media as a way to sort of relax and wind down it doesn't relax you it doesn't wind you down (laughs) all right so if you think what what i want to get is relaxed and relaxed and sort of not agitated anymore i'm going to grab my phone and use that like a a child uses a pacifier or a dummy and it doesn't work no the inside of you is still crying and you're still comparing and despairing so you know i'm not anti-social media it's it's actually probably a really good curious habit actually you think about it social media is great you connect you get to see people you haven't seen for a long time and all of that sort of stuff but when you get curious you can see when it turns yeah, and absolutely. when it turns and doesn't help you anymore, and I think, I think getting curious about that is a much better way than saying I've got to cut down my social media. Yep. You, know, you just, just find out when you yeah when you pick the phone up, why have you done it? Ask yourself why. Why am I looking at this? Yeah. Now? What have I got from that? Yeah. I've actually got everyone who's seen this on video. I actually have a new phone. <laughs> I bought this from Amazon the other day. I actually, and it's a it's a nineties flip phone that's brand new. <laughs> I had one the and, same, but mine was pink. <laughs> yeah, and I've bought it, and I'm going to put my SIM card in it for a week next week. And, yeah, see how um, you go. I want to see how I go, and I've just been noticing in the last few days since it arrived. I think, oh shit, I can't listen to podcasts in the car, and <laughs> I don't know how am I going to check my my Google Maps and how am I going to look at my Google Calendar and all of this sort of stuff. And I'm like, holy hell, yeah. this is going to be really hard. But I think that's actually one of the other things about curious habits is we don't do stuff because they're hard, and. Yeah. I think we've got to do some hard stuff. You know, I, I talk a lot, a, a lot in my, my work with companies and when I, when we run retreats and things is that we've got to reset. We've got to be able to reset ourselves. And I think every now and then you've got to do a hard reset. Um, a month or so ago, I went on a four day walk, cabin walk. So you walk out to these cabins and you carry all your food and everything you need for, for four days. And it was like, you know, the best part of 20 Ks a day. And it was hard. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But it was great and I came back and I'm still feeling the benefits of that. 
And so that constant distraction, constantly having technology coming at us is a curious habit. And I think one of the ways to break it is to have a hard reset, do something that's difficult. And I think yep. we should try and do one. I'm going to, I'm from now, I did one last year where I had five days in a teepee where I had no food, no technology and no people for five days. Right. And that was hard. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a 98% yeah, yeah. extrovert. So being <laughs> with no people was really tough. Something like that so, can help too. We've actually got a new book um, coming out later in the year called Death by Comfort. And it's about exactly right. that, that, you know, yeah. you can't live a full life if it's a, a totally comfortable life. We're just not wired to do that. So, Oh, I'm so really looking forward to interviewing yeah, the, the author of that one. That's going to be great. <laughs> that is a super one, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, it's it, it's a thing. It's a curious habit that we're we're seeking comfort and we're constantly staying in our comfort zone. It's actually the first of all the the curious habits we talked about on there. The first one I brought yeah. up was staying in your comfort zone, and we use the the David Goggins sort of example of that. But oh, yeah. I think getting curious about actually what you're getting out of comfort. Yeah, you're not. You look at that and you say, I really want to be comfortable. Yeah, but I really want to achieve things. I really want to strive. I really want to better myself. All of those things come on the other side of comfort. So if you want comfort, you can have comfort. It's there, but that's all you're going to get. I think everything good that we have in our life is on the other side of a bit of discomfort. And if you don't have any discomfort, how do you know that it's comfort? You know, you've got to have um, both sides, I think. Regular listeners will know that we wrap up with three questions. And um, I actually couldn't bother to research what they were, so I've made them regular. Up. <laughs> regular people would know that we actually wrap up with five questions. Um, <laughs> five questions. Okay, yeah. well, I've, um, I've drilled them down to three. So, first of all, what are you reading now? I know I love chatting to you about books, um, so I'm interested to know what you're, what you're I'm Funnily enough, we, we talked before about I'm reading a book called The Comfort Crisis. Um, which right. is about oh. exactly what we're talking about. It's a great book. Um, now, yeah. when he goes into the wilderness. And yeah, he goes, in, he goes into the Arctic and and yeah. and he'll he'll tell a little bit of the story about going into the Arctic and then he'll go off on a tangent about, and I love that, um, yeah. he'll go off on a tangent about something else. The last bit I read when I got off, when I stopped reading today, was he had this elk in his sights and then he went off and started talking about food. And I'm like, no, come back. <laughs> That's but, a super book. I loved it. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah. Yeah. So that's um. Yeah, that's what I'm reading at the moment, and uh, I'm really enjoying that. Okay. Sadly, we didn't publish it, but you know, go out and read. It's a good book. Um. Okay. Best book you read, or was read to you as a child? Oh, I think I even have it here. I oh. do. This is my, was my favourite book of all time. It's <laughs> called Digging The Digging as Dog. dog. And it's a great book. Um, as a little kid, um, I have a, a nerve in my eyes that don't work, doesn't work properly. If I look over to the right, I actually get double vision. So when I tried to read, the words would jumble around on the page and it was awful. And um, so I couldn't, I couldn't read properly until about grade nine. All right. So I kind of yeah. wangled by because I worked out how to do maths. So right. I, they kind of realized I wasn't completely dumb as a box of hammers, but I, I really, I couldn't read out loud. Um, I could read, but it was, it was a real wrestle. And yeah. the digging his dog is basically a story of, of resilience and a dog that spent too much of its time in the, in the pet shop and did, couldn't dig and thought he was a gumby and then learned how to dig and. Yeah, off he went and he dug like crazy. So it kind of feels like my life a little bit. I couldn't read and now I read like a mad thing. So, um, yeah, I think I've 
there's a bit of the dingiest dog in me. And I think they're really good books. You do take them with you a little bit. Yeah, absolutely, Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I read I read it to my daughter lots when we were little, basically because I could read it and I still remembered all the words because those those pathways are just ingrained. And we did Finding Carlos with her and one of her words was tenacious, um, yep. that she wanted to be tenacious. And, um, yeah, I think that comes from reading The Digging Dog. I I buy heaps of them too. Almost everyone has a kid. They end up with a copy of Digging Us Dog because oh, I buy them all the time. It's a, it's a great book. Brilliant. Okay, best book, oh, this is going to be hard now, best uh, book that you've read as an adult? Oh, that's, I, it's I almost like saying hard, your favourite movie, isn't it? I know, um, yeah. I'd probably go with Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I, I love everything Malcolm Gladwell's written. I, I even mm-hmm. love the way he, um, his books contradict each other and that's okay too. Um, I think that one of the one of the signs of intelligence, I think, is the ability to hold two conflicting ideas in your head, and I think Malcolm Gladwell does that beautifully. And I think when you look at the polarizations in the world at the moment, um, I think a lot of people could actually learn from him and sort of work out that that it's okay that people disagree and it's okay that we can look at both sides of things, and we don't have to rush to either end. There's lots of room in the middle that we can we can wander around and I think that rushing to either end is a curious habit that we all probably should have a look at as well. I can't remember if you can remember what the other two questions are for the, the last five. Um, uh, a book that everyone should read. Yep, okay, book that everyone um, should read. Yeah, a book that everyone should read. I'd probably go um, Useful Beliefs by Chris Helder tiny little book it's about this big when we did a when we did our um primal reset i bought a copy of them from chris for everyone and um it's basically is is the belief i've got it's not is it right or it's wrong is it good or bad is it useful is it helping me and i think there's a lot of our curious habits are are kind of not useful beliefs so let's work out what we're believing and why we're believing it and whether it's serving us and if it's not let's get curious and change it fabulous can you remember um, the fifth? Uh, what would your autobiography call be called? Yes. What would it be called? Ooh, the Diggiest well, Dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, my, my nickname is Buckets. Um, all of my mates call me Buckets because I'm a really bad surfer. I'm terrible at surfing. <laughs> um, I'm like really terrible. And when you, throwing buckets is an expression when someone's surfing really well. So it's, it's laced yeah. in irony. Um, <laughs> it's, it's actually another kid's book. There's a kid's book called Filling Buckets. And right. I, th- I think I'd like my autobiography to be called Filling Buckets because I, I have a, you know, being curious, creative and generous, I, I hope I fill buckets in my world. Yeah. And uh, if, I can, if I can sort of do that when my, my time on the planet's come to an end, I'm going to be a pretty happy dude. Oh, that's lovely. That's a really nice way to end. So plug for the book. I really hope, I really seriously, I mean, I hope people read all the books I've published, but uh, I really hope people read this because I think they will find it helpful. I really do. It's a good read. It's funny in places. Um, It's very well researched as well. 
uh, and it'll, it'll give you lots of other books to read around the subjects. I really hope people read Curious Habits. And uh, Luke, thanks so much for being my guest. <laughs> you're a wonderful host, Leslie. I think I'm going to be struggling for my job now. I don't, I don't think you're out of a job, but uh, yes, thanks for humoring me. I really enjoyed chatting to you and I hope our listeners enjoy this too. Thank you very much. And it, it's it's actually, I, I just need to say a big thank you to yourself and Eleanor and Brooke and all the people at, at Major Street. If, if you want to publish a book, these people will do so much to help you. And you're so encouraging the whole way. And, you know, one of the curious habits is imposter syndrome. And I have a little bit of that. And you're helping me beat it out. And I think you, you do that with all your authors. So if, if anyone is looking at publishing a book, get hold of Leslie and Major Street because they do a wonderful job. I hope you enjoyed getting curious about your habits. If you'd like to get your copy of Curious Habits, go to majorstreet.com.au and use the code YNR to get your discount. I'm Luke Mathers and I hope you all get curious about your habits.